A busy night in Florida as uh, all sorts of watches and warnings are up, and we're going to go through them as Hurricane Ian continues to strengthen rather quickly in the Northwest Caribbean. We'll have more on Ian and a really kind of complicated long range with regards to that, at least in my view. Uh, also, we have autumn weather spreading uh, through the east and south this week. Some of that autumn dry air is going to have a hand in what uh, Hurricane Ian does. We'll have more on that. And, well, I guess we'll have more on that tonight on the Joe and Joe Weather Show. Brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, in southwest Suffolk County on Long Island. Uh, and they've got everything to make you need to make sure your home looks good, is working properly, and is protected in case we get some adverse weather like they're going to get in Florida. And that includes maybe uh, upgrading to a new and stronger generator or sump pumps or flash or as simple as flashlights and batteries. Get over to Omni. And of course, if you're landscaping your yard this fall to make sure it looks good, lots of mulch and topsoil and come winter time. Lots of salt. 631-756-1125 is the telephone number, and the website is... OmniTrueValue.com. Hello, everybody. Hi there. Actually, I have to tell you, it was a nice two days off, sort of. I mean, I, <laughs> I had a 10-hour had a, a drive yesterday from Georgia down to Florida. Uh, it's a big difference from waking up in the morning in the 40s and waking up uh, here in the uh, in the low 70s with kind of soupy air, but it's nice. It rained today, and I'm under a tropical storm watch here in um, in eastern Florida. I'm on the east coast of Florida, and I want to make it clear, Joe, I'm not here to storm chase. I planned this trip this back long weeks before, ago, long yeah. before everything got very active on the tropics. Correct. So I. That's I, amazing. It's amazing how, and I've said this before, how dead it was in the tropics during July and August. And everybody, well, maybe we won't have much of a much of a tropical cyclone season. And look what has happened. Look what's happened just the last week. I mean, my 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 goodness, Bermuda, Puerto Rico, Atlantic Canada. That was from uh, Fiona, and now all attention turns to Ian. And what it's what it's going to do to Florida? Amazing. I'm having a uh, difficult time uh, trying to figure Ian out because there's just so many puzzle pieces here. Um, uh, uh, I think one of the bigger mysteries I uh, is going to have all this dry air that's moving into the eastern part of the U.S., but particularly the southern flank on that that is uh, moving down into the Gulf states. You know, you and I talked about this both on and off off, off camera regarding uh, dry air eventually getting entrained. On the other hand, uh, it, it could, if it's far enough south, it might stay in that tropical environment for a whole lot longer. Uh, then you have the issue of the, fa of the fact that by the, as it approaches Tampa, it's going to be slowing down, uh, and, and that's going to prolong both the, the rain and the wind starting to think that maybe the the rain is going to be the bigger deal here before it's all said and done but uh give me another day to figure that part of it out well you know uh th th i think the key to this uh, hurricane is the fact that you know unlike fiona which as it was approaching atlantic canada was really revving up and moving along with forward speed of 40 or even 50 miles an hour this storm um is going to be moving much more slowly, and in fact, the slow movement parallel to the west coast of Florida is really going to serve to do a number on uh, the west coast of Florida, places like uh, Tampa Bay and also uh, St. Petersburg, uh, Sarasota. These are places that are going to be subjected to many, many, many hours of hurricane force winds in excess of 75 miles an hour, and the piling up of the water, Joe, I mean, we talk about storm surges, but literally with, with, with the slow movement and the push of uh, uh, water inland, uh, that, that water, again, piling out, there won't be any place to put it. And that will lead to uh, some places getting major flooding, not just from any 
potential torrential rainfall, but from flooding from coastal areas. So this this really this storm really is going to be loaded for bear, and there's going to be all kinds of problems, especially Wednesday on through Thursday. The storm may make landfall along about Friday, further to the north of Tampa and St. Petersburg, and may even weaken, I think, to be as much as a Category 3 storm, um, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, but then diminish from there as it approaches landfall on Friday. Yeah, the last Anthony Orr, our resident hurricane statistician here on the Joe and Joe Weather Show, pointed out that you have to go back almost to 2000. You have to actually go back to 2003 when Hurricane Charlie came in to the Florida West Coast. Uh, and uh, there have been storms that have come on the Big Bend and there are storms that have come on the Panhandle. But it's been fairly quiet uh, along you know, the up and down part of uh, the West Coast of Florida since 2003. Uh, so this is going to be an you know uh, an interesting experience. Irma uh, made landfall in southwest Florida uh, and came up just inland, going back a few years ago. So in case you say, well, what about Hurricane Irma? Well, that's probably a little bit different. The area from say north of Fort Myers, you know, certainly the area around Tampa Bay. It's been a long, long time since they've seen a storm like this. The other thing, Joe, is. Uh, it's a little odd here in that when you look at the the wind direction of a storm that is going to be doing and let me get my little thing here so so if you're going to have something that's going to sort of come in like this and slow down at the same time uh, and of course let's say if it takes this track on the arrow that I drew and I don't know that it's just going to be correct or not but you're going to have Mostly south winds on the east side of this, pushing this water uh, into a narrower and narrower area. Narrower. Uh, and uh, Tampa Bay ain't that deep. So that water is going to, you know, could certainly pile in there. I would defer to anyone who knows the area better because I I, I want to, you know, put a little footnote here. I don't know this part of Florida very well, so I could be speaking out of turn here, but this is what it seems to me. I'm sure the, the folks at the Weather Service there know far better than I, and I think they should be maybe your go-to place for more additional information regarding potential impacts in that area. Yeah, this is, uh, this is not, I mean, probably a worst case would be if the storm were heading in toward, uh, let's say, New Orleans where they're uh, actually, I think, a little bit below sea level. But uh, this this particular setup is not good at all. And especially, again, the key to this is the very slow movement. The storm is going to take, really, at least a couple of days to go from the south uh, southern area of the Florida Peninsula on up northward along the west coast to uh, the northern part of Florida by uh, Thursday and Friday. So uh, it's going to be rough. It'll be rough with the wind. It's going to be rough with the storm surge. It'll be rough because of the heavy-duty rainfall that is anticipated. Some places in Florida may receive an excess of 10 or 12 inches, more than a foot of rain uh, with all of this. So it, it is uh, just one big, gigantic headache, and uh, that is going to be the story for, again, much of this week, watching the future movements, the future trek of Ian. So uh, I've got the hurricane tracking models up, Joe, and, and they've been an adventure to watch all weekend long, gradually shifting to the west until they stopped shifting to the west and north. And now they're shifting back to the south and east. And I'm noticing that on the latest runs at 18Z, uh, we have uh, a couple of models uh, that have now pushed it uh, landfall down near Fort Myers. Uh, you've got a cluster of models that seem to have a landfall near Tampa and I now a handful that have it in the Florida Big Bend. Uh, what all I seem to have in common is the um, rather actually there are a couple of odd model runs here that make no sense to me, Joe. There's a couple of them like the ones that run into South into Southeast Georgia those have it making landfall in 48 hours. So that seems to be a bit early. Um, 
on the other hand, uh, you've got a couple of them that have it well up into the north part of the Florida West Coast that does they don't have landfall for another six days. So that also probably seems a bit much. Um, so I'm going to just kind of focus on the ones that are close together. I guess the Florida West Coast, let's say Tampa, outside chance it could be a little further north than that, outside chance it could be a little further south. And then after that, you know, think back to Hurricane Ida. Now, Ida went in in southwest Louisiana. So it was pretty unusual to, for us to have a storm that went inland that far west. But the setup was right where it came up, turned east across the lower Ohio Valley. And, and, and as we know, it came over New York City and New Jersey and Long Island and the Hudson Valley and, and southwest Connecticut and eastern PA and, some, and, and devastated some areas with record rainfalls. Okay. Uh, the difference here, Joe, is I think that because you know we're dealing with this dry air, whereas Irma, uh, Ida had this moist tropical environment in the eastern United States, this one does not. So I'm wondering, as, once it gets inland, it starts to get far enough north, it gets up into Georgia, and maybe gets up into western South Carolina. I mean, how much of a core are you going to actually have left? And, and it'll become nothing more than an area of, say, spreading rain that uh, that that with a with a, a, a non what will ultimately be a, like a non-tropical system once it's well inland. I'm going in that direction right now. I, I agree with you, and I think that's why uh, a few moments ago I said that uh, the storm could get up to. Now I've actually seen reports, uh, some forecasts that say that possibly it may even get to a Category Four at one stage of the game. But my my feelings are. Uh, it's going to rev up to at least a three, uh, 111 to 130 mile per hour sustained winds near the center. That would be for Wednesday and Thursday. But then after that, it's going to begin to interact with that drier air to the north. And that's going to help to, I think, diminish it down to a cat two, even a cat one. And then it may make landfall sometime during the first part of the day near Cedar Key in Florida. At least that's my projection. In fact, Joe, if you allow me uh, to uh, share, I'll reveal with everybody uh, the track that I came up with and I sent out to you uh, earlier on in the day today uh, as to where this may or may not be going. Sharing capabilities have been initiated. Uh, All righty. I just have to put you on the screen. Just give me a moment here. And you're on the air. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, whoops, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't know what happened there for a moment. I know what I can do. There you go. So there there you see um, this is the track. Now what what this what you're seeing on the screen right now is the projected path of EN based solely on two models, the 12Z GFS, the 12Z European run, the operational runs not the ensemble or the ant sample runs ensemble dear ensemble such a lovely lovely lady we know her well and uh so i've got the storm coming almost on a due north trajectory very close to now right here where you see that little cutout that's where uh tampa st pete is and uh clear water is up here and Sarasota is not too far away to the to the east. And so you see, I don't have it making landfall. It might, you know, that uh, this is, you know, uh, a forecast based solely on two models. The spaghetti plots are based on a number of other models. It may very well make landfall in uh, the vicinity of Tampa or St. Pete, but I've got it going northward up to about Cedar Key, which is right about here, maybe around uh, midday on Friday. Then as it moves over the land, I think the storm is going to lose a lot of its punch in terms of wind, so that it'll probably be just a depression Saturday morning over southern Georgia. Continuing north-northwest into northwestern Georgia by Sunday morning, and then being caught up by the more uh, robust westerly winds, the remnants of whatever is left of Ian will be rapidly pushed eastward across the Carolinas to near the coast on Monday and maybe off the coast uh, by Tuesday. By the way, I know we have a lot of baseball fans out there. 
An interesting scenario may be shaping up, Joe. As you can see, the storm will be tracking into northern Florida and eventually into Georgia this weekend. Well, those of you who are especially fans of the New York Mets know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Mets will be playing a three-game series in Atlanta, and this could very well decide which team, the Braves or the Mets, end up winning the National League Eastern Division Championship. But if Ian comes northward into this position Saturday and Sunday, you just know that Georgia is going to be covered with rain and showers and possibly even some thunderstorms as well. And there could be a lot of rain. I mean, I've seen from uh, the Weather Prediction Center forecast of two to four or three to five inch rains across much of Georgia for the period Friday through Sunday. So now what are they going to do? Well, you say, no problem. They'll, uh, if the games are rained out, they'll just wait until maybe the later on in the season. Well, the season, for goodness sake, is going to come to an end next Wednesday, followed immediately by the playoffs. There's no room for, you know, putting any rain out games uh, at the end of the season. And so if one, or, one of these games is rained out, they'll probably play it as a doubleheader, either Saturday or Sunday. If two or more games are rained out, that causes a big problem. And there has already been a discussion uh, by Major League Baseball, a discussion that if indeed Ian does play a role in the weather this weekend, what they may very well do is play those three games, not in Atlanta, but in another ballpark, a neutral ballpark, uh, away from the rains, maybe Kansas City or Minnesota, some ballpark that's not going to be under the, under the gun, so to speak, by weather. Of course, naturally, Atlanta, the Braves, who would have home field advantage this weekend, are not happy with that at all and are going to probably fight this. But uh, I don't think they can do much they can do if Ian comes northward and spreads all of that potential heavy rain over Georgia, over your area too, Joe, and uh, yes. also across much of Florida as well. So this is going to be an interesting conundrum for uh, those who are into baseball and uh, may play a big role in who eventually wins the National League Eastern Division title uh, at the end of the baseball season. Well, that uh, that is their problem and not mine. <laughs> I mean, I get, essentially, um, yeah, it, it's going to be you know, very, very difficult. And, and you know, you're sitting here on a Monday trying to figure out what's going to be going on at the end of the week, and that makes it that much tougher. Uh, the um, latest uh, saddle the latest recon from uh ian uh is there there is there what before i get into that let me just say uh big hellos and welcomes to everybody on the chat board uh, board tonight and welcome to <clears throat> those of you who are new to the joe and joe weather show these storms often attract new people and uh, we always like to see everybody here the joe and joe weather show is is on every night Monday through Thursday at 7.30, Sundays at 11 a.m., uh, and sometimes during storms, if they happen on a Friday and Saturday, we're going to be on on a Friday and Saturday. So maybe Joe and I are going to be on at the end of the week. We'll let you know uh, at the end of the weekend. Uh, if uh, you do like what you see, please, by all means, hit the like button, because Joe and I love it when we get lots of likes, especially when we go up over 100. So help us get up, get over 100 likes tonight. And in the meantime, let's uh, look at the uh, recon. Uh, the latest uh, recon is there uh, and uh, uh, get sending back some obs, Joe. A couple of things I'm noticing off the bat. One is... Uh, the pressure on the advisory was carried at 972, so they found on the first pass 967. So we've dropped five millibars uh, in the last three hours. Uh, and uh, also I'm seeing uh, a belt of 96 to 113 knot winds uh, to the southeast of the center uh, that's being observed. And let's see if we can look at it graphically. And take a look at what they're they're seeing now. The red is the mean sea level pressure, uh, and it touches 965. Now they do a correction with the pressure. Uh, there's there's certain corrections that they do. So sometimes the number that's found here on the map doesn't always match what's on the advisory. Uh, and uh, this was measured, by the way, at 717. So um, not 
more a little more than half an hour ago. Uh, the last ob on here is from 23:47, so from six minutes ago. Uh, but they had a wind, Joe, a wind max here of about I would guess 95 knots, and uh, the pressure, as I said, down to about 965. So it looks like the rapid strengthening trend that began earlier today is continuing. What, Joe? Yes, I'm here. Oh, he just suddenly cut off. Oh, no, I'm here. Did you hear oh, okay. what I was talking about with the pressure? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. How it's dropping and everything else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's... This is where you come in and save me so I can catch a breath and set up the the next map. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, as you can obviously see, it is strengthening. And probably one of the reasons why it's strengthening is it's moving over very warm uh, water. It will uh, uh, be moving through the uh, Yucatan Channel. Uh, it may lose... Maybe it may lose a little bit of its strength as uh, it passes over the extreme western end of Cuba. But really, that particular part of Cuba is not terribly elevated. I mean, it, it'd be one thing if it were interacting with, you know, five or 10,000 foot mountains, but it really isn't. It is passing over land, however, and briefly uh, being uh, uh, robbed of some of the uh, uh, moisture and uh, uh, some of the uh, warm uh, waters that... Uh, it's interacting with now that's making it, you know, rev up, but I don't think that's going to be very much. It won't really play much of a, much of a role in diminishing the storm. The storm itself will be again in the Gulf of Mexico, off the west coast of Florida, probably in very warm uh, waters uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And by that time, we should see it rev up again, at least to a Category Three, and maybe, just maybe, it might even briefly. Uh, reach Category 4. Now, that's kind of scary. When you have a Category 4 storm 50 or 100 miles off your shoreline, it's even scarier if you uh, are in the crosshairs and the thing might actually be heading right for you. But as I said, it looks like the storm during its maximum or most potent phase will be staying just offshore, moving parallel on a northerly course uh, relative to the west coast of Florida. And as it moves, continues to move northward, I think that uh, by later Thursday and Friday, it will begin to actually wind down or lose a little bit of its potency back to a Cat 2 or maybe even a Cat 1. And again, I think uh, during the first part of Friday, it may make landfall near or around Cedar Key in Florida. And then once it makes landfall and continues north, it will very rapidly get the wind literally knocked out of it. But uh, a lot of that tropical moisture will be wrung out over the land. And again, there'll be some parts of Florida that could see upwards to five or even 10 inches or more of rainfall leading to uh, tremendous flooding, not just coastal flooding uh, with the water piling up, but also uh, flooding from uh, heavy duty rainfall. And Joe just put up on the map WPC's um, totals for rainfall with this storm. And as you can see, there are some places that could very well uh, receive uh, upwards to, you know, eight and 10 inches. And just offshore, the west coast of Florida, uh, you see amounts even greater, something on the order of 20 inches of rain. But again, a lot of that presumably is going to fall over the eastern Gulf of Mexico. I'm sure I'm sure most people in, in that part of Florida, in, in the inland part of Florida would say, let, you know, keep it there <laughs> because that's a that's that's almost double the rainfall that's being indicated just inland uh, with the, the orange area, which is which is generally six to ten and the dark blue uh, pushing further north up into North Georgia of two to four inches uh, and also at the south and North Carolina. Got to give a lot of credit, though, to WPC because over the weekend uh, on their seven-day rainfall forecast maps, if you looked at them, uh, you would get a feeling that they have a di had a different outlook while the models were sort of bringing this thing inland and some of them taking it up the west side of the Appalachians and even taking uh, what looked like a remnant low uh, to southern Indiana. Uh, on a couple of on a couple of model runs, uh, they were pretty insistent with this sort of idea of painting a soaking rain up through the Carolinas and maybe even into southern Virginia. And they've stayed with that. And as we every day goes by, uh, it's it's looking at least to me that that is going to po uh, be the case. I also had the intensity guidance up there while you were talking, Joe, <laughs> and, and I just want to make a point. Um, 
with the factors of it slowing down, with the factors of it eventually, when it gets close to land, if it slows down, you're going to have part of the circulation over land. You've, you know, it'll probably get to a strong Cat 3, or if the intensity guidance is right, you have actually more than just a couple of models taking this to a Cat 4. So I don't know. If I were sitting up in that, in that area, l looking at a cat, cat 4 hurricane approaching and then saying, well, you know, they're saying that there's all, it's going to weaken because it's going to slow down and interact with land. And yeah, and there's dry air that's going to come in from the north. You know, I, so I'm going to, you know, make a decision based on that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I would be kind of leery over, over hanging around. Uh, and banking on all of those things happening because you know what? Uh, if one of those things changes, then uh, that could uh, certainly impact uh, what uh, what what happens uh, in uh, when it approaches the Florida coast. Maybe it doesn't weaken as rapidly. Maybe the dry air gets um, delayed or doesn't get entrained to the circulation because the storm might wind up being a little bit further south. Uh, I would just kind of like I would if it was me I, I would look at this and say you know what there's could be a category four hurricane I'm better off evacuating uh, and not uh, I'm sure you agree with me Joe I'm far better off evacuating if something doesn't happen then you know you thank God something didn't happen and you move on and if something does happen well at least you're away you're safe and then you can you know deal with the aftermath afterwards. Yeah, but the sad part about it is, is that there's always going to be somebody, always, I don't care if you're dealing with a Category 5 storm, there's always going to be somebody who's going to say, I've been living here for 66 years, and I've seen all kinds of storms. I remember Betsy, and I remember Alma, and I re I'm not moving. I'm going to stay right here in my house, and I'm not going to, you know, there's always somebody out there who does that, and... Uh, then you always hear in the aftermath of the storm about uh, some old timer who unfortunately didn't want to move and instead got swept away with the heavy rains and floods and, you know, that, that sort of thing. Every, every storm, every impending hurricane always has somebody like that or some people like that. And I'm sure Wednesday and Thursday we'll be hearing about just such uh, – well, I mean, I heard it this morning. Uh, somebody from – uh, the uh, Tampa, St. Petersburg uh, police saying, hey, look, we want you to evacuate. And if you don't evacuate and it's right in the middle of the storm and we get a phone call saying, help me, help me get out, we may very well tell you we can't help you and hang the phone up. That's that's how it will be. That's how it always seems to be. And uh, I would agree. Uh, you have your chance now. Get out while you, while you can. Still uh, waiting for the... 8 o'clock advisory, the 5 o'clock advisory, 20.3 north, 83.2 west. Uh, top winds are 100 miles an hour on that advisory, moving north-northwest at 13. And we should have the 8 o'clock one momentarily. I don't think they're going to change very much, uh, but I do want to at least come back up full screen. I'd like to go over the warnings because uh, there's quite a few of them uh, and, and the changes. So let me bring myself over here and uh, we'll um, see if the actual printed, sometimes they don't update the map up. The 8 o'clock advisory is in and uh, on the 8 o'clock advisory, 20.8 north, 83.3 west, 130 miles southeast of the western tip of Cuba. Maximum sustained winds is still carrying 100 miles an hour, moving north-northwest to 330 degrees at 13, 965 millibars. 28.50 inches. Uh, so somebody, some people may ask, well, Joe, the, the pressure's dropped from 972 to 965. How come the wind stayed the same? Sometimes what happens is that the with strengthening storms, that the pressure actually drops first, and then the winds catch up. Uh, and sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes you have the winds that are strong, but they don't always match the pressure. And you're thinking, you know, that the pressure's actually higher than you would otherwise observe given a wind speed uh, and then uh, ultimately the pressure drops and, and it catches one of the those two things do happen from time to time it's more common to see the pressure drop first and then the wind uh, uh, pick up uh, afterwards so I expect those wind numbers to start to go up so let, let's uh, let's go over a couple of things here Joe, I'm just going to go through some of these warnings. So you have a warning uh, in effect for uh, Cuba. In Cuba, the 
uh, Isle of uh, Juvent. Uh, you know, I've, I've always I'm getting myself into trouble by doing this. Uh, the Isle de Juventud, J U V E N T U D, Pinar del Rio, and Art Artemis Art Artemisa. Artemisa. Uh, also, we have hurricane warnings now in Florida, so this is a little easier. From Anglewood to and and the and and Clote and Clote A N C L C L O T E River, including Tampa Bay and the Dry Tortugas. Uh, we've got. I'm going to skip the storm surge warnings. Uh, tropical storm warnings for the Cuban provinces of La Habana, uh, Mayabique. Mayabique and Montanaz, Montezas, if I'm right pronouncing it wrong, please forgive me. Lower Florida Keys from the Seven Mile Bridge westward to Key West, Flamingo to Inglewood, uh, we've got warnings. Hurricane Watch is up north of the Anclote River to the Suwannee River, way down upon the Suwannee. Uh, and uh, Bonita Beach, did we know the Suwannee River was, uh, river was written by Ed Norton? And uh, Bonita Beach... Uh, to Inglewood. Tropical Storm Watch is also up for the Florida Keys uh, from the Seven Mile Bridge to the Channel 5 Bridge and Lake, also for Lake Okeechobee, north of the Suwannee River to Indian Pass. And on the East Coast, Jupiter Inlet to Altamaha Sound. Okay, so um, there you have it with respect to um, the watches and warnings. Should have hired Ricky Ricardo to do the proper, what a hell, proper, <laughs> the proper pronunciation of some of these some of these names. By the way, Ms. Spellerite mentioning here, uh, as an FYI, the town that got hit real bad up in Newfoundland is setting up a GoFundMe plus requested list of needs to be sent to their local Lions Club, and 60% of the trees on Prince Edward Island were taken down by Fiona over the weekend. So that storm system really left a lot of devastation and damage in its path. And now we just wait to see what Ian plans to do to Florida in the next uh, two or three days. Uh, Dova asks, are these two retired me meteorologists? Yes, we're sort of semi-retired, uh, but um, we're here. And we're here five days a week. So actually, we're not retired. We're working every day, five days a week on this show. Correct, Joe? Correct. We're here. We're here for you. Yes. <laughs> All right. I mean, if we were retired, well, what would we do at this hour? Yeah, I'd probably be just finishing up watching MASH. Exactly. But, but, you know, I'm here. We have all of this knowledge. Remember in Rocky, Rocky 1, the first Rocky, how um, Burgess Meredith was trying to get Rocky, Sylvester Stallone, to hire him as a manager, and he says, I have all of this knowledge. I have all of this. I, I want to share it with you. Well, here you got Joe and I, over 80 years of knowledge. What are we going to do with it? So here we are, explaining and uh, talking about uh, such things as hurricanes. We want to share it all with you, especially those of you who might be watching down in uh, in Florida in advance of this next uh, this next uh, animal that heads your way and uh, on that note let me uh let's switch back i want to go to the models and take a look at what's going on uh with those and uh, we've got uh I, I preset the gfs upper air so we can actually see how complicated it is i i, I i'm going to say right off the bat for for the area that we mostly cover directly which is eastern pennsylvania to southern new england and uh, you know, southern areas of the Northeast, the northern mid-Atlantic states. Uh, it, it seems to me, Joe, that most of this should wind up getting suppressed to the south. And if everything plays according to plan, uh, there might not be a drop of rain here, certainly through Saturday and possibly even through Sunday. Absolutely. I had mentioned on a discussion on my Facebook page, I said, OK, maybe, just maybe, we might be grazed by some shower activity Sunday and or Monday of next week. But it could just as well, as you just said, Joe, pass underneath us to the south. And the worst that we would see from it would be some cloud uh, cover, and that would be it. Uh, interestingly enough, there were some forecasts uh, out of the Climate Prediction Center at the end of last week that were suggesting that uh, Saturday and Sunday we would see 
heavy rains, strong winds. That is all gone by the board now. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks now that uh, the, 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 the most that this storm is going to do is indeed to Florida and parts of the southeast. And it looks like up here in our neck of the woods, here in the tri-state New York City area, again, we may miss out completely on, uh, on that. And that could change. It's a seven-day outlook. We're looking all the way out to next Monday. And that could change. And if it does, we certainly will cue you in on that. But right now, the slower movement of the storm from recent uh, forecasts, the slower movement and high pressure building we're trying to build over the northeastern United States may actually help to hold most of the effects of that storm, the adverse effects of this storm to our south. And, and, and looking at the upper air, which which is really kind of, you know, it's very fascinating to me. Now, now the first frame here is from Friday. So uh, the big dark spot uh, at uh, on this map uh, is actually, let me get rid of all these arrows. So um, right here uh, is Fiona. Okay, so our system was just uh, beginning. It was actually down here uh, in the uh, south uh, east Caribbean. Uh, I, I actually have that that circle probably drawn a little bit too far west, but nonetheless, uh, it um, uh, played according to plan with regards to Fiona. Uh, it was uh, underneath this big, very powerful trough in the east, and uh, Fiona did what it did. And uh, I, I looked at pressures joe 9:30. i saw a lot of places uh, in eastern nova scotia with a 9:34 pressure so this is going to be go down as the strongest storm ever uh, to move into atlantic canada but now that that's lifted out of course another strong trough right behind it now you start to see uh what is ian down in the northwest caribbean now this trough is drawing it northward, and if that trough did not get out of the way, what probably would happen is that it would go into Florida on the west coast and then escape to the northeast. Uh, that would be the logical place for it to go, uh, given a, a trough that's down in the eastern part of the United States like this. But the problem is that that trough is lifting out, so it draws... Uh, uh, Ian northward, but it doesn't completely grab it, and that's why it slows down, because once the trough pulls out, its influence on the storm uh, lessens considerably, and then Ian's kind of left in this sort of no-man's land. There's not really much of a flow going on in the southeastern part of the United States in the upper atmosphere. The steering currents remain, uh, you know, rather, rather light, and it goes toward the northwest until the next trough can drop in, Sometime early next week, around Monday, you see all this energy dropping down in the northern plains, and that just basically kicks it uh, out to the east. And then we get uh, a major cold front to come through here sometime later next week. And beyond that, there's another deep trough that follows. I mean, this is, is a boy, I, I have to tell you, if the, this verifies, Joe, let's just looking at this out in the long range. Um, that is one heck of a trough there uh, toward the end of the forecast period. And, uh, and actually, actually, a pattern that we probably haven't seen. This is the this is like a real autumn pattern that started here last week, uh, late last week, and 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 it looks like it's going to last out into the long range in the eastern part of the U.S. You know, we've had so many falls or autumns in recent years that have been so very warm. We had to wait until you know November, December last year. We had to wait until January before it finally cooled down. But you're right. You're right. If we get this this trough, this upper level uh, uh, setup uh, does indeed verify it's going to be quite cool here, quite uh, quite autumn-like, just when it's supposed to feel autumn-like as we move through into the month of October. Now I've got the surface GFS, and uh, of course, uh, there's which reminds me, there's a couple of there's a weird thing I want to show you. I saved it. Uh, I'll show you show it to you in a moment, but. Uh, here's how the GFS handles uh, Ian today, uh, late the latest run, uh, bringing it up near Tampa Bay. And you can see how it slows down, by the way. Uh, it's actually moving relatively quickly uh, at, re, re, you know, 15 miles an hour or so. And then it really slows down <clears throat> as we head into Wednesday night, Thursday. They're right off the coast, just southeast of Tampa. And it takes to almost early Friday morning for it to make its way inland. And of course, its proximity to land uh, is going to start to weaken it. it on on the approach, Joe, on the GFS, it gets down to about a nine, 
954, I think, is the lowest pressure that I'm seeing here, 954. And then it then it slowly starts to come up back into the 970s by the time it makes its, its final approach. So that's one thing. The other thing I want to show you here from this, as we were talking about this dry air, take a look at these dew points. I mean, it's ridiculous, some of the, the dew points that we're seeing uh, down on the Florida Panhandle, Joe, on the GFS uh, in, in western Florida on the Panhandle, 39. Uh, in southeast Mississippi, 38. Uh, I, I thought it was impossible to see that that far south this at this particular time of the year. What, dew points <laughs> that low? Yeah. Well, um, you know, this. The, 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 if it's impossible, somebody forgot to tell the atmosphere. Uh, the depth of the uh, that dry air gets all the way down to Tallahassee. Now, again, if you start to go further south and you head toward uh, the Florida Big Bend, and particularly when you get down to Tampa, where dew points are in the low 70s, it's a different story. But as I loop this, you can kind of see the dry air tries to get to funnel down uh, and and get involved. And and I think that is going to be uh, that's going to be an important key in terms of what happens to the intensity here. Because that's that's really that is super dry air that that's in the southeast, and and it's very when you look at the major hurricanes that have made hand, landfall, Joe, they have almost all come in in atmospheres that have been super saturated with you know the tropical air just about everywhere, dew points in the upper 60s and low 70s, and uh, you just you don't have that here in the areas further north, and and again. If that dry air gets starts to get entrained in the circulation, that is going to impact the strength uh, as it makes its way up the Florida West Coast or the Florida Big Bend. That is an unknown variable at this point. It's a known variable, but its impact is still unknown. But I, I agree with you. That's what, the, what I was talking about just a few minutes ago, the, the interaction as the storm goes further north with that dry air really cutting down on the energy uh, of it, uh, and I think we'll we'll see that later, beginning later Thursday, and especially so on into Friday as well. And then again, once the storm moves over northern Florida and on up into Georgia, it likely will have the wind literally knocked out of it, and um, have all that moisture wrung out in the form of very heavy rains. I'm just looking here, by the way, longer range to see all this dry air all over the place. <laughs> This is a far cry from the last number of years where we had stretches of dew points in the upper 60s. And I can even remember a couple of times in early October where we had days with dew points up above 70 uh, and just being absolutely atrocious. And, and, and it looks like at least this first part of October does, does is going to be completely the opposite of that. Uh, let, uh, looking at the overall uh, weather here in the eastern part of the United States, uh, you'll notice that I mean, it's really delightful, but there's this big, the, the upper trough is spinning away, and there's a surface low, Joe, that's just east of Lake Huron this, this evening. And I want you to look at the satellite loop. If you look carefully, look at the northeastern part of Lake Lake Huron, and there's a, there's a, it's weird. It, there's a, 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 a donut hole circulation up there. Can you, can you see it there on the loop? Yes, vaguely, but I, 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 I see what you're talking about. That is very, very odd. Actually, Bill Goodman messaged me. To, he says, what the hell is that in Lake Huron? And I looked at it. My first glance was not even to think, not look at it, but knowing that there were some severe weather uh, boxes up there, uh, I said, well, maybe it's a tornado. Um, well, it turned I didn't realize he literally meant in Lake Huron because then I would have said, well, maybe it's a water spot, a water spout. Um, I didn't realize he was talking about the satellite loop until I pulled it up. And then if you look on the radar, you can actually see how the the uh, echoes are in that sort of counterclockwise spiral <laughs> here uh, with uh, a few, even a few severe thunderstorm warnings and special marine warnings that were up for parts of the uh, shoreline of Ohio and western New York, believe it or not. And even a couple of scattered downpours up uh, upstate in north central New York and even in south central New York at the moment. And Joe, there's a line of showers and thunderstorms in central central and eastern Connecticut into central Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, going. look at look, how, look, at look how dramatic that is. It's like a cutting diagonally right across uh, Connecticut, just north of Rhode Island, and almost on up into uh, the Boston area. Yeah, let me pull up. Uh, I'll, I'll pull up the U. Uh, 
the U car. I got it here, all set up, and uh, let's uh, let's we'll get the OKX radar first. And you see it there. In fact, let me hang on. Let me set this loop up. So we have the most recent e image. Let's go back three hours and go to OKX. And yeah, I mean, look at these strong. Look at that line. Oh my, uh, that form there. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and as you said, to just west of Boston uh, is where it's sitting at the moment. I'll even pull up the Boston radar where you can take a look at it from that perspective. And uh, there you go. Incidentally, uh, incidentally, last night at about 11:30 p.m. over uh, over eastern Long Island. They had an F zero tornado. Did you hear about that? No, I, I know the weather was really rough last night with that cold front. The SBC had put a slight risk and a two percent tornado risk all over the place, uh, and so I guess it, it played out according to plan, at least according right. to the forecast. Right. Uh, it was about 11:30 last night. I noticed there was a a severe thunderstorm warning over, I think, the North Fork of Long Island, and. Uh, I, I said, wow. That, and the, here's the ironic thing about that, is that earlier in the day, when I was mentioning the possibility of severe weather, uh, our mutual friend Pete Bergman, who lives out in Patchogui, I think, or, or, is, it <laughs> Pat, Pat, or is it Patchogue, yeah. Patchogue. He says, well, I don't know about, I don't know about any activity out here because uh, the sun isn't even out yet, and it has to really warm up some. Well, I guess, I guess later yesterday – the sun did come out and it did warm up enough and it did get unstable enough because, again, out there last night, they had uh, severe thunderstorm warning and, yes, a confirmed report of an F-Zero uh, tornado that uh, that formed. So, yeah, they did. sometimes these things, they, they, they pop up almost literally out of nowhere. By the way, down in Florida right now, and I had some of this, there are some bands well north of where Ian is. Uh, that have pushed up, uh, so you can see these echoes here in South Florida, uh, north of Miami. There's a band of some heavy downpours moving northward. There was a band that moved through where I am at Fort Pierce. That has pushed further north up toward Cape Canaveral uh, and also on the west coast of the Tampa Bay area. And we're seeing some strong uh, uh, squalls uh, coming in to uh, the Keys. Uh, and I can't go much further south than that. You can sort of see the arc that is over western Cuba, that uh, the center is still south of there. So uh, getting some uh, some lead, you know, far in advance lead rains uh, from uh, the circulation of, um, of Ian. We have also a little bit of activity going on in southeast Louisiana. In south Texas, we've got a few scattered showers and a little warning that popped up uh, outside of Corpus Christi and in the Southwest, we're seeing some scattered showers uh, in Southeast Arizona, Southwest New Mexico and into uh, Southeastern parts of Colorado. So as far as the Northeast is concerned, uh, the, the that, that big high coming down uh, and the way that the upper air is set up, it's I think really going to suppress this. I mean, th here we are, this is Saturday morning and it's got the GFS anyway, has rain up through Virginia uh, some lighter rains uh, into Delaware and just touching s southern New Jersey. But remember, dew points are in the 40s here, so the air being very dry as this rain pushes up, some of this may not may wind up not reaching the ground. And, in fact, it tries to put – this is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday where you see some rain touching south Jersey, uh, the darker blues into Delaware, and then all of a sudden it gets pushed uh, back south again. And it doesn't really come up until until – Sunday night, Monday morning, where you get a little bit of rain edging northward here on this latest run, Joe. It's actually got a low. Uh, I don't know if it's the old remnant low or some sort of frontal wave that develops somewhere, uh, but there's a low that you could sort of tie into the remnant low of Ian uh, that's off the New Jersey coast come um, Monday and Tuesday with some rain. Uh, that would be one way that uh, it does come up the East Coast because if you do have, you know, we talked about, Joe, it's in this no man's land and, and you see the flow here on Saturday from uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan to New England, it's northwest. Uh, there's nothing really to pick it up. But if that next trough that drops into the plains early next week is a little faster and a little deeper and the Ian system is still kind of lingering around someplace in North Carolina, then maybe it could you know, lift up 
uh, northward. But it'll come if that's going to happen. It'll come after. I think it'll come after the weekend. Yeah, I think so too, Joe. I think I again. I a few days ago, um, the possibility of some kind of windy, rainy weather regime for the weekend was hanging like the sword of Damocles, if you will, over the heads of many in the tri-state New York area because of the movement, the future movement of Ian. But it looks like more and more now, because of the upper level uh, uh, weather patterns later in the week, and that big high, as you pointed out, building on down from southern Canada, that much of the activity from Ian will stay south of the tri-state area. And uh, again, if we do see anything, it may not come until well, maybe a shower or two later Sunday or Monday, if that at all. And incidentally, for those of you who are wondering about where the EF0 tornado uh, hit last night, it was confirmed in Mattatuck. That's on the North Fork on the North Shore of Long Island, based on an analysis of the storm survey findings and uh, the uh, dual uh, radar reflectivity from uh, Upton, the National Weather Service Forecast Office, velocity and derived data, it was determined that in an EF0 tornado touchdown at Juniper Hills Farms around 11.17 p.m. last night, damaging a greenhouse, downing a couple of large trees on the property, then it likely lifted or skipped along as it tracked east-northeast across a one-mile stretch of remote wooded area before touching down and shearing off several treetops and large limbs in the vicinity of Cottage Way, Walnut Place, Lipco Road between Sound Avenue and Old Sound Avenue. Peripheral straight line wind damage to a large tree was noted near Shirley. Shirley, you jest. <laughs> and to the north of Sound Avenue as well. So there you go. There was some action last night. No tornado, uh, no uh, hurricane, but uh, a, a rather isolated tornadic uh, event occurring again in the uh, North Fork of Long Island. Uh, Steve LaPointe hitting Super Chat tonight, Joe. Thank you, Steve. And uh, didn't have to ask a second time. We got 107 likes. Uh, so that's uh, great. We like to go over the 100 mark. Thank you for those of you who hit the like button. And if you haven't hit it, still plenty of time to hit the like button uh, and make us even happier. Which is which is a good thing, and I saw that my friend Junior's on the chat board talking about, I guess talking in reference to the fact that I said that we were semi-retired, and I believe he responded back because now, of course, I can't find it. That you know, he said semi semi-retired question mark. They're they're barely 25 years old. I love you. <laughs> I love you, Junior. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, hey, don't laugh, Junior, because I was I was, according to my wife, I was already beginning to start turning gray when I was in my late 20s. Of course, it's pretty much taken over all of them in my head now. See, but, uh... I, I, have a, <clears throat> I have a colorist who the relationship with her is extremely sacred, Joe, and she dyes in my gray just perfectly. So you ought to get yourself a colorist <clears throat> and have a sacred relationship with this colorist so that they can dye your, your white in just perfectly. Hey, just because there's snow on the roof doesn't mean there's any fire in the furnace. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Well said. All right, let's uh, let let's finish up tonight. I promised Johnny Quest because he had a bonus question to his. Uh, he was doing Briller Jeopardy while uh, Scott's been away, and he had a bonus question, which I. Oh, oh, so the bonus question was, what was the highest wave ever made by a tropical system? Why don't I, why don't I answer that with, uh, how about 50 feet? Double. Double that? Double. 100 feet? 100 feet. Oh, my goodness. And that's just from a tropical system, folks. Not from a tor not from a tsunami or <laughs> which now which tropical system are we talking about, Joe? Uh, Luis in 1995. I, I remember Luis. A hundred feet. 100 wow. Feet. Holy mackerel. And uh, yeah, that was that. That was the bonus question, as I forgot to do it. Now let's see. I have 
Um, okay, so here we go. So actually, uh, these questions um, are from Scott, and he's only going to send two of them this week. So this is uh, this is his for today. And what was the highest temperature ever recorded in the month of October in New York City Central Park? Um, I'll say, and, and it didn't happen too. It only happened a few years ago. Ninety-four. Um, if 1941 is a few years ago, then I guess it is a few years ago relative to the entire existence of the planet. Uh, 94, uh, in 1941, I don't know. Now, that, wait a minute. Is there a, now, wait a, is there a later date? Didn't we hit 94 in early October in like 2018 or 2019 or whatever? Honestly, Joe, I, I don't remember. I, I, I honestly don't remember. We might oh. have, but. I, I don't I don't know. We'll have to you have to go look at the records. I'm trying. I don't mean to like throw this at you, but I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was the coldest temperature ever in October? I'll say that it actually did get below freezing. I'll say twenty. I'll say twenty-eight degrees. Ding 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 ding. You are correct. You hit it on the nose. If Bob My Barker, God, if Bob Barker was here, you'd get to reach into his pocket and pick one hundred dollars. Right, ninety-four and twenty-eight, and I got them both. And Is that amazing. You want to try the year? Oh, the year. Probably before the steamships took over and started polluting the atmosphere. I'll say eighteen eighty-one. Nice, nineteen thirty-six. Nineteen thirty-six. Uh, yes. What was the coldest daytime maximum? Oh, God. 42. You know what? Not that far off, Joe. 38 in 1925. That's got to be tough to get a day in October that the temperatures didn't get out of the 30s, but I guess it did. 1925. What was the greatest snowfall in October? Um, I'm going to say it was the year when we had the, uh, the uh, uh, snow around Halloween. I think like October 29th. 2.2 inches? 2.9, October 29th, 2011. 2011, see? Yeah. There you go. I remember that those, well. And those of you who... I only, had, I only had 14 inches up here, Joe. Only. And by the <laughs> way, for many areas, uh, for many areas, that was the biggest snowfall of the entire winter season. Because the winter of 11 and 12 was... In fact, I remember, Joe, going up... I went up to New Hampshire because my daughter, who was working at CBS at the time for the CBS... Uh, I think she was working for the evening, for CBS Evening News at that time. She worked for mornings, and then she went to the Evening News. Uh, but I went up with her to cover the New Hampshire primary in early, in late, in early January. Now, think about this. Not, uh, not only was there no snow anywhere, but even in the mountains, when you looked up where I was, um, not too far from, uh, from. Um, Concord, Lake Winnipesaukee. Winnip no, no, no I, I didn't go that. I, I didn't go that far north. Um, but when you, even in the mountains, Joe, there was very little snowfall. In fact, while I was up there on one day during the night, we had like five minutes of flurries and snow pellets, and that was it. That's that was how. It. That was how. That's how. You know, when you when you're up in New Hampshire at the beginning of January and there's no snow anywhere, uh, there there's an issue. Okay, there's a big issue. And the bonus question tonight is how many times in the month of October did Central Park actually measure uh, uh, snowfall? So that would be a tenth of an inch or greater. Oh. Well, th there hasn't been there hasn't been all that much in, in, in October. Maybe I'll say three. Uh, again, uh, just missed four. Four. So okay. uh, I'm impressed. You did really, really well. Well, thank you, sir. All right. And on that note, uh, because I'm still kind of recovering from driving 10 hours from Georgia to Fort Pierce. So uh, we will call it a night here. Thank you for everybody that's uh, joining us tonight on the uh, Joe and Joe Weather Show. Joe and I will be back tomorrow night at 730 Eastern to our continuing coverage of uh, Hurricane Ian. And, of course, I always put out a video Earlier in the day, a weather in five, which seldom goes five minutes. It's almost always more, uh, especially if there's a tropical storm or, or hurricane. So um, 
uh, look for that uh, on my YouTube on my YouTube channel tomorrow morning sometime, and uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Show at 7:30 Eastern. Why the smirk, Mr. Rayo? No, I'm just uh, there's no smirk. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to find on the uh, daily local data and records uh, to see if that 94 occurred a few years ago, and I'm maybe the smirk is because the National Weather Service uh, at Upton they completely changed their format. You used to be able to look at the whole month, I and know. now you now you can only do it for 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 one, one day at a time. You you so. you can. There's a way to do it. I forgot. I got. But you have to play around with it. There's a way to do it. I I I I gotta go in there and and figure it out again. I don't remember things well anymore. I barely remember my own name. Um, but no matter. So everybody, we'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for all the new viewers who took us and and the regular viewers who took us to 129 likes today, and uh, the uh, super chat hit. Thank you very much from uh, Steve Lapointe, uh, one of the big supporters here on this channel, both hitting the tip jar and emotionally. Thank you, Steve, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow at 7:30 and gals at 7:30 Eastern time. Good night, Mr. Rayo. Nighty night, sir. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, everybody.